Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. Amen. Thank you, worship team. A little visual aid for our time together this morning. <clears throat> we, uh, we all know what the darkness of life uh, looks and feels like. We've experienced it in some way, maybe some more than others, but, but we know that darkness. The darkness and shadows of abuse, of the death of a loved one, of separation from the people we care about or want to be with, the fear of what might happen tomorrow or the day after that. And yet I want us to also know that God is at work even in the darkness. And I don't mean that to be patronizing or to diminish the darkness or the fear that it creates. Both things are true. There's darkness and it is heavy and it is hard. And God is also at work. And God has been at work in the darkness for a very, very long time. In the beginning, the world was nothing. It was darkness. It was void of anything, void of life, except for the Spirit of God that hovered in the darkness, just itching to create something beautiful. And God spoke, and beauty and life were created. He made the plants and the animals and he, he created a, a garden called a Garden of Eden. And he looked at it all and he said, it's good. And then he put humans in that garden and he looked at it and he said, now it's, now it's very good. And at the time that God made the garden, this is what the timeline of history looked like. They'd stretched forever as the goodness of life, as the beauty of what God had created. It just stretched on forever, eternity of life and beauty and humans living with God forever. And he asked the humans to partner with him in creating more beauty and more life. And he said, grow the garden and grow humanity. And he gave them joy in doing it. He made sex pleasurable so that humanity could enjoy growing humanity. He made gardening a joy. And I know for some of you it still is and I don't understand. But he made gardening a joy that they could, could live with the animals and name them and care for them. They, they could grow the garden and partner with God in creating more beauty and more life. And I don't know what you think of when you think of God, but I fear that joy is not one of the things that comes to mind often enough. And even in the simple creating of beauty and life, God takes joy in that. 
And if you're a note taker, that's where we start this morning. It's that creating life and beauty is a joy for God. It's a joy and for us. Creating life and beauty is a joy for God. And he has made it so that it is a joy for us. Now it's going to look different for everybody. For some, it is something we would consider artistic and others it is not. But creating life and beauty is a joy for God and and for us. The humans, however, decided that the partnership with God and the joy they got from it was not enough. They wanted more. They wanted more knowledge and more power. Specifically, they wanted the ability to determine for themselves what is good rather than partnering with God to create more of what he had already declared to be good. And so they reached for what was not theirs to reach for. They tried to make themselves like God. And we discovered that we are very much not God. And then whenever we try to be God, we do a pretty terrible job. We call it sin. Believing the lie that God is holding out on us and that we need to determine for ourselves what is good and what is not. Whatever we would call sin today branches back there somehow. That we either believe that God is holding out on us or we've decided we get to determine for ourselves what is good for us. And sometimes both. And this sin got a hold of the hearts of the humans and it got a hold of their minds and it got a hold of their souls and it infected them. And this sin ate away at the beauty and life that God had created. And so it couldn't be allowed to live forever. So it couldn't continue in this garden that went on forever. And so the humans get kicked out of the garden of living with God. And the timeline of history changes. And as God escorts the humans out of the garden with compassion and care and love and concern. He says, even the things that brought you joy are now going to be tinged with pain. Even the creating of life and beauty, it's not pure joy anymore. As he walked them out, he said this to them, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. 
the things that give you joy will now also give you pain. Because instead of happening in the garden of closeness with God, they are now happening in the garden under the curse. The shadow of sin fell over the beauty that God had created. And now we're left peering through the darkness, trying to remember the beauty that we were created to live in and help create more of. And under the curse of sin, humanity divided and fought and murdered and lost. And the results were ugly and dark. And they continued to doubt God. They continued to live in fear. They continued to try to determine for themselves what is very good and what is not. And yet... God remained faithful to bringing beauty and blessing to his people. So he chose a man named Abram that he would call Abraham. And that man, he promised, would become a family. And that family would become a tribe. And that tribe would become a nation. And he said this at the very beginning when he called out to Abram, He said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And as this family moved into tribe and into becoming the nation of Israel, it turns out that they were just like the rest of humanity. And they distrusted and divided. They fought and they murdered and they lost. And the results were ugly and dark. And yet, God remained faithful to bringing beauty and blessing to his people. Even as they became a nation that turned against God, that forgot who their God even was, that became evil in every way we can think of people being evil, God remained faithful to bringing beauty and blessing to his people. As part of that commitment, perhaps counterintuitively, he allowed an even more evil nation to come in and conquer his chosen people, to knock them off their high horse. And they were conquered and captured and they were dragged from their home and dragged into the country of their conquerors and they were made to be slaves and servants in every way you can be made into slaves and servants. And they were dehumanized and demoralized. And yet, God remained faithful and he did not abandon them. He sent prophets to them, even in the midst of their exile and their captivity. He sent prophets to them, people who would tell them the truth, who would remind them of their sin and remind them of God's faithfulness and commitment to beauty and blessing. 
in the midst of this exile, God spoke to them through a man named Jeremiah. And we find these words in Jeremiah 29. Remember that he's talking to people who are treated not only worse than humans, but in some cases worse than the animals. In the middle of their captivity, Jeremiah tells them this. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Even in darkness, and these were very dark days, even in darkness, we are still called to create life and beauty. Even in exile, God was calling them to the same mission he gave the very first humans. Grow the garden, grow humanity, create life and beauty. Even in the midst of their captivity and their slavery, he was calling them to the same purposes he had given them way back at Abraham. Be a blessing to the people around you. And church, this is the same mission he has for us today. To create life and beauty in the place he has put us and to be a blessing to the people around us. Even in the darkness, we are called to create life and beauty and to be a blessing. And this whole time, as the timeline of history, as humanity marched through time under the curse, God was at work behind the shadows, putting a plan in motion. A savior would come. A savior would come to defeat sin and darkness, to recreate the opportunity for everlasting eternal life with God as was intended in the beginning. To reopen the possibility that we could live life with God, not just in some far off distant future, but that eternal life, life with God could start today. He was predicted by the prophets. He was planned for by God. He was anxiously anticipated by the people. The prophets said that he would be the king of all kings. He'd be the Lord of lords. He would be the prince of peace. And then one day in this timeline of history, a man named Jesus appears on the scene and he marks his spot in human history. And he declares this. The time promised by God has come at last, he declares. 
The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. So repent and believe. And he would spend the next three years teaching about this kingdom of God, teaching about the power of love, teaching about the importance of creating beauty in the world around us through truth and grace and healing. And then, in the end, his death on a cross defeated sin. And his resurrection from the dead made possible eternal life for you and me. And all of it made possible a life lived truly with God. The spirit of God at work in our darkness. His life and death and life again was heaven breaking through the shadow cast by sin. His words pointed us to a beauty and a life and a goodness that was true and real all along, just hidden under the shadow and darkness of sin. He talked a lot about this kingdom of God, and so I want to drill down and uh, talk just a little bit more about this kingdom of God and and how he defined it. I think there's three core things that we can say are of the kingdom of God. The first is that God is in charge. Makes sense. It is the kingdom of God. So God is king. When we sign up for the kingdom of God, when, when we sign up for someone to step into our lives and break through the shadow and curse of sin, have sin undone and its consequences and its curse of death and separation from God undone in our lives, we step into the kingdom of God. And so we declare that God is king. God is in charge. And this is our comfort and our calling. Because to declare that God is king means that nothing else and no one else is. Not my favorite speaker, not my favorite politician, not my paycheck. Only God gets to determine the purpose and perspective of my life. He's in charge. It's not my knowledge it's not my strength and my ability. It's not my ability to determine what is good and what is not. It's definitely not my comfort zone. God is in charge. Unfortunately, in my life, I'm not always good at letting God be in charge. And I would hazard a guess that that is true at least occasionally for approximately everybody. So the second thing that is true of the kingdom of God is in the kingdom of God, the people are repentant. The people are repentant. 
And repentance is a fancy church word that essentially means to turn and go a different direction. To say, okay, I was going this way. I was following these leaders. I was following these plans. I was letting these things rule my life. But God, now I'm going to go this way. I'm going to step into your kingdom. So I'm going to follow your ways. I'm going to follow under your structures. I'm stepping into the kingdom of God. I was going this direction. Now I'm going to go this way. When we confess our sins, the ways that we have distrusted God, the ways that we've let other things rule in our hearts and minds and made those things our Lord. When we confess those things, we are essentially telling God something God already knows. That's part of confession. We declare We agree with God. We recognize that we've distrusted and divided and murdered and lost. And the results are ugly and dark. To confess our sins is to name the things that we have made king of our lives. It is to name the kings that we have cheated on God with. And it is to acknowledge that the results of sin are cursed. They lead to death and darkness and separation from what is truly good. And in confession, I declare what God already knows, that he is the only one who can undo. He is the only one who has undone the curse of sin in my life and all of its consequences. God is in charge and the people are repentant. And the third thing that's true of the kingdom of God is beauty is created and life is given. Beauty is created and life is given. Jesus said that to enter the kingdom of God, we must be born again. Because new life being created is at the very core of his kingdom. His ministry was all about restoring what was broken, about healing broken bodies and broken hearts and broken relationships so that what sin had destroyed could be restored and made new. And the ultimate giving of life came when he gave his own. When he turned himself over to death on a cross. When he gave his own life to peel back the curtain of sin's curse. And to show us how beauty and goodness and life are really defined. And his call to anyone, to all of us who would step into the kingdom of God is to pick up our cross and follow him. And it strikes me that of these three core things of the kingdom of God, that God is in charge, 
that people are repentant, and that beauty is created and life is given, is that we really only have a say in two of them. God is the king of his kingdom. That's what we're signing up to come under. We don't participate in partnering with God to rule the kingdom. We don't sit on the throne with him and enact laws and cast the judgments. We participate in repentance and creating beauty and giving life. So here are the two things that we do when we step into the kingdom of God, if we wanna be people of the kingdom of God. If you want to be a person who has had the shadow of sin and the curse of sin undone and lifted in your life. Now look, it's, it's not going away, not yet. The resurrected Jesus has promised to return and there will be a full lifting of the shadow of this curse and we anticipate and are excited about that day. But the curse of sin and its eternal consequences of death and darkness and separation from God can be lifted from our lives, can be undone. God has unraveled the curse of sin and unraveled it into forgiveness and grace and new life. And I don't know what the shadow of sin looks like and feels like in your life. I know in every life it is dark and it piles on shame and it buries the truth of what is beautiful and good and real life. And for all of us who wanna have that curtain pulled back to have the curse of sin undone in our lives, we step into being citizens of the kingdom of God. And so here's what we can do what we do individually and what we do together as citizens of that kingdom. The first is that we honor God. We honor God in recognizing him as the king above all kings, in confessing the times that we don't do that, in acknowledging that he is the only one who has made sin unravel into forgiveness and grace that we need. He is the only one who can give us the new life that we are in need of. We honor God by, by praising him for who he is, by telling his story. And if you are someone who would like to step into the kingdom of God, to have that shadow unraveled in your life, to come under forgiveness and grace, Scripture tells us that all who will confess that Jesus is Lord, that God is in charge, and that God has raised Jesus from the dead, that there is new life being made, step into that kingdom. It is the most God-honoring thing we can do. 
So we honor God. And then two, we create life. We create beauty and give life. We create beauty and we give life. And there are a lot of ways to do this. Some of them seem really significant and some of them don't. Anytime you create something beautiful, it may not feel like much, but it peels back the curtain. Anytime that you really, truly love somebody, it may not feel like much, but it peels back the curtain. Anytime you give generously, even just a little, it peels back the curtain. Anytime you give somebody dignity and choice, I heard somebody say this week that the, uh, the opposite of poverty is not money, it's dignity and choice. Been rattling around in my brain a lot this week. Anytime you tell the story of Jesus, you are peeling back the curtain. You are partnering with God in creating beauty and life. You are partnering with God in pushing back the darkness, in pointing to things that are beautiful and good and true and have been there all along. They're just hidden by the shadow of sin in our lives. They're hidden behind the darkness And we keep staring at the darkness and we are called to be peering through it to remember the beauty that we were created to live in and called to help create. And any time you do that, you are taking somebody by the hand and you're saying this, this is the kingdom of God. Let me introduce you to the king. Yeah, I I know him personally. And you will be amazed at the beauty and the life he can make. As the worship team comes up so we can honor God together, I wanna pray for us as we go from here to honor God by creating beauty and giving life and blessing to those around us. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we recognize you as king and we wanna honor you as such. Lord, we confess that we have followed many other voices and many other things. you are calling us to be citizens of your kingdom first and foremost. That you are calling us to a life of creating beauty, of giving life, of pointing to the goodness that is true, just hidden. God, would you give us eyes to see what's beyond the darkness? Would you remind us of your presence with us in the darkest moments? And would you remind us that 
behind all the shadows and the things that weigh us down. You are at work. You have a plan in motion. A plan revealed through Jesus and his death and resurrection. A plan to one day wipe away every tear and chase away every shadow. Make all things new. God, I'm so grateful that in the meantime, we get to partner with you in little previews where things are made new and restored, where hearts are made new, where lives are made new, where people are comforted and grace is given and beautiful things are created. Thank you for wanting to partner with us in a way that is a blessing to us and a blessing to the people around us. May our lives and the beauty we create honor and worship you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.